Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody, episode 285 of the podcast It is Sweeping America, the Aratora Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, people. We got ourselves another bonus episode. And listen, I'm just going to say it. At this point, I know that I've been teasing, are we going to go three episodes a week? Are we not going to go three episodes a week? What are we going to do? Blah, 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 blah. I think we're basically at the point where we are going to officially start to go three episodes a week. And the reason is very simply this is because I do feel like, as I have mentioned in the past, I do think that last year the, the, the show got a little formulaic in the fall where every Thursday episode we're just previewing the weekend ahead. Every Monday episode we're recapping what happened the previous weekend. And I do think there was a lot of really good stuff that fell through the cracks in the middle of the week. And so I just think that it will be good to go to three episodes. So plan accordingly. Uh, We are officially headed for three episodes a week of the Aratora Sports Podcast. And thank you to so many of you who have reached out and, and expressed interest, frankly, in having a third episode every week. So three episodes a week basically going forward. I wanted to make sure we got to a point where we were going to have college football before I committed to three episodes, and I believe that we're basically there. The SEC, ACC, and Big 12 appear as though they are ready to push full speed ahead, and um, you know even the conferences like the AAC, Sunbelt, and Conference USA appear ready as well. We are getting college football. It is coming up soon. The losers in the Big 10 did not win, and so because of it, you get three episodes of Aaron Torres every week, including this week, including today's show, and very quick, let me just say this. It will be a very quick top of the show. Two quick topics that I do want to get to. The AP poll was released in college football. My biggest takeaway, it was very weird to have teams from the Big Ten and Pac-12 in that AP poll. We'll talk a little bit about it, why I just feel bad for these programs that are uh, uh, left on the outside looking in. Maybe a team or two that missed the AP poll that I believe should be in there. And it will be a team that many of you root for and follow because I do believe there was one team that got snubbed above all else. We will also talk about Matt Norlander, CBS Sports, had a report out about what the college basketball situation is looking like. I will tell you what I have heard. I will tell you why I believe what most of Norlander wrote this uh, on Monday night was true. 
what it's what I'm hearing relative to what he said and why once again it all comes back to the Big Ten with football because if we have college basketball before we get a Big Ten football season heads will roll in the Big Ten speaking of Big Ten Speaking of the disaster that is Big Ten football, I have an incredible guest on the back end, and I've teased this the last couple episodes, but Randy Wade, the father of star Ohio State defensive back Sean Wade, joins me on the back end of this episode, and this is why I want to do the third episode, by the way. I want to get fun, unique guests that I otherwise might not be able to, and Randy Wade, for people who do not know is the guy that has been planning all of these protests in Big Ten country. There was one in Chicago last week. There will be one in Columbus this week. And I think it's going to be a fun, interesting, fascinating interview for you to listen to. Because as I said when Archie uh, when Archie Miller came on last week, I want to take you guys behind the scenes in college sports, right? It's one thing for me to come on this show and say, it's safer for kids to be on campus than anywhere else. And the, the schools are doing an incredible job taking care of these kids. But it's one thing for me to say it. It's another thing for somebody like Archie Miller to say it. And it's certainly another thing for a guy like Randy Wade to discuss it, a guy who has a son that doesn't have to play college football this year but wants to. And he takes you through what Ohio State has done to protect his son, what Ohio State has done to protect everyone, why he believes it's safe to play college football, and why it's so important for him and the other student athletes across the Big Ten to play football. We talk about the varying degrees of players who, as I said on Monday's episode, their whole career has been shaken up by not playing football this fall. Whether it is kids that will no longer play in the spring, whether it is kids that maybe now have to stay an extra year in college, kids that are now stuck behind somebody else who may stay for an extra year on the depth chart. There are just so many dynamics to it. Randy Wade coming up. He is an incredible guest, and I do think you will enjoy it. Again, a short front end of the show today as we get to Randy Wade on the back. And before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. The Podcast Addict app, if you have an Android, the Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Pod Paradise, wherever you listen to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, make sure to rate and review the show, or make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Let us know where you listen, what you like, all of that stuff. As I've said many times before, make sure you're hitting me on social media. Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. And finally, as I said on Monday's episode, if you have ever done Cameo or heard of Cameo, essentially I have signed up for Cameo. And what Cameo is, is a platform or a service where I can send you or your friends personalized messages. And so what I said on last episode was very simply this. I know we have a lot of friends that listen to this show uh, together or there's groups of people that listen to this show. I know that we have fathers and sons who listen to this show. And so if you ever want me to send 
a birthday wish, a Christmas wish, which would be a little early for a Christmas wish, but that's okay. If that's what you're into, that's fine. You want to wish somebody a happy anniversary, a happy graduation. I don't know who's graduating from what in, in the middle of August, but you're grad, if you're graduating, I can send that. Go to Cameo, cameo.com slash Aaron underscore Torres, or hit me up. And if you want a personalized video, I am happy to send it via Cameo. And with that said, people, no more time to waste. You tell me I take too long off the top, but I wanted to get all that stuff in. And let's talk about what is really the biggest story of the day in college athletics, and that is that the first AP poll of the fall was released. This is always a monumental moment for the start of college football season, an exciting time. We've talked about college football for months and months and months. In many cases with college football, there are many communities in this country that start breaking down next season the day the previous season ended. And so for people in Clemson, South Carolina, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Norman, Oklahoma. This is a really important day because they've been talking about last season basically, they've been talking about this season basically since last season ended. And so where it is interesting with this AP poll, and I'm not like a let's break down the AP poll kind of guy, but what I will say is that while Clemson was number one, that is probably not surprising. They're bringing back a guy named Trevor Lawrence. Not sure if you ever heard of him. He's pretty good at football. The bigger story is who is at number two? And that is your Ohio State Buckeyes. Poor Ohio State. They have had their season canceled. They have had their dream squashed. They had a team that's good enough to win the national championship. And we still decided to leave Ohio State on the ballot for the preseason AP poll. Listen, I'll say this. First of all, it wasn't Ohio State alone, okay? There were nine teams in total that made the preseason top 25 um, but I'll be honest, I, I, I don't, re, or excuse me, there's nine teams that made the preseason top 25 that will not be playing college football this fall. And my understanding is this was the only poll that they will do this. This was the preseason poll. And that if the Big Ten and Pac-12 don't eventually play football, and at this point there is no sign or indication that they will, Ohio State and Penn State and USC and Oregon will not be in any poll going forward. But with that said, it doesn't make it any less of a, oh my God, a knife in the back, if you will, for all of these teams, all of these programs, and all of these fan bases to see where you're ranked in the preseason of a season that you're not going to play. And so obviously, look, the biggest one is, of course, Ohio State. And I've gone over this probably at some point in every episode, the last six, seven, eight episodes of this podcast. I'm not an Ohio State fan. For people who are new, I I've been talking about Ohio State a lot because I think them and their battle with the Big Ten is the single biggest story in college athletics right now. But it doesn't change the fact that I don't feel bad for them, okay? For people who do not remember, Ohio State was really good last year. They went 13-0 in the regular season. They won the Big Ten. They crushed Michigan. They beat Wisconsin twice. They beat Penn State. They beat all comers straight into the college football playoff. And if, in case you forgot, they were really good against Clemson too. This was a team that was actually up 16 to nothing on Clemson in the first half in the college football playoff. And if it weren't for a couple of questionable calls late, they very easily could have beaten Clemson. 
And so when you think about that team, when you think about how close they were to beating Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, and you think about everything that they brought back this year, this was a team that was absolutely good enough to win the national championship. They are, of course, highlighted by uh, Justin Fields, who was probably the second favorite behind Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman Trophy. Great defense, as I said, Sean Wade, the defensive back, whose father is on later in this show. Studs all over the offense, Master Teague at running back, Trey Sermon, uh, Chris Olave at wide receiver, and this was a team that was built to win a national championship. And so on top of everything else, on top of having your season canceled, on top of the back and forth publicly between Kevin Warren and Ryan Days retweeting this and all these things that are going on, now you have to look at an AP poll where the voters who vote on this stuff believe that Ohio State has a better football team on paper than Alabama, a better football team on paper than Georgia, a better football team on paper than LSU, than Notre Dame, than a bunch of other teams that aren't going to play either, Penn State, USC, Oregon, whatever. It is just, I can't even imagine the psyche of being an Ohio State fan right now. Imagine the situation where you have a team good enough to win the national championship and you will never know because of idiocy in your league office that will not allow you to play the season. Um, I would add this. I feel bad for the other teams in the AP poll that are pretty high that will not play this season. Penn State is ranked in the top 10. I don't think James Franklin gets enough credit for what he has done at Penn State in the post-Joe Paterno, post-Bill O'Brien era. If you look at James Franklin, I actually think he might be, if we're being perfectly honest, maybe the most underrated coach in all of college football. I mean, we remember what he did at Vandy where he won nine games two times in his final two years at that school, which is insane. I believe they have like one nine-win season outside of James Franklin's career in the history of Vanderbilt football. But then you look at what he's done at Penn State. They've won 11 games in three of the last four years, and they've won no fewer than nine games in the last four years. And so you look at that win-loss record, and you're saying like, man, Penn State is building something too now. Now, they haven't gotten over the hump. They haven't won a, they, they have won a Big Ten championship, actually. They've never made the playoff. There was the year where they won the Big Ten. They beat Ohio State in the regular season, and Ohio State still got in the playoff. But it doesn't change the fact that that program is absolutely ascending in the right direction and absolutely has to be devastated that they will not get the chance to take the field. They will not get the chance to compete against Ohio State and see if they can beat them and see if they're the better program and see if they can make the playoff. Same with Oregon, who was slowly establishing itself as the best team on the West Coast. I can tell you, I talked to a source in the Oregon football program that told me they haven't had a single positive test, or at least as of when the season was canceled, there hadn't been a single positive test within the program. Now, maybe this guy was yanking my chain, maybe he was over-exaggerating, but the point was that Oregon did not think that they had a problem with COVID, and so they were turning a lot of players off of a Rose Bowl team they will never get to know. Could we have gotten back to the Rose Bowl? Could we have won the Pac-12 again? Could we have competed for a college football playoff berth and then you think about again what I have talked about the fact that Oregon is competing for all the best players on the west coast and if a Clemson comes in or an Alabama comes in or an LSU comes in Oregon is going to have to deal with the same negative recruiting that Ohio State will or that Michigan will or that Penn State will in that hey do you really want to go play at Oregon where 
The Pac-12 doesn't really care about football. Like, say what you want about the SEC. We're fighting tooth and nail to play this football season, and Oregon and the Pac-12 just quit. So I feel bad for Penn State. I feel bad for Oregon. I feel bad for Ohio State. I feel bad for USC, who was ranked, I think, number 19 in this preseason poll. And I would just say really quickly, I don't believe USC, they're actually ranked 17th. I don't believe they're the 17th best team in the country. I do believe they were probably second, third, fourth best team in the Pac-12. But man, there was finally some momentum in this program. And if you follow high school football recruiting, USC was finally back to recruiting at the level that USC is expected to recruit at where they're signing all the best players on the West Coast. Now they won't have a season. How about Minnesota? 11 wins last year, first time basically in any of our lives that Minnesota's won that many games. I believe it was the first time they've won more than 10 games since like 1950. They will not play this season. And so when I looked at this AP poll, I just couldn't help but feel awful for all of these kids and all of these teams that will not have the opportunity to compete on the field for all the reasons that I have talked about over the last couple episodes. And I'm going to continue to hammer this, guys, and I will not apologize for continuing to hammer this because myself and a few others are the only ones that are saying it, is that really specifically when you look at the Big Ten, the reasons for canceling the season make no sense, and the reasons only get worse and worse as we find out more and more highlighted by the report that I talked about on Monday's episode where all 14 Big Ten ADs wanted to play football. And all 14 Big Ten ADs were adamant about how well they were taking care of their players and how well they were testing and all of the things they were doing. And the Big Ten presidents basically decided that they were going to move forward without having anyone from athletics on that call except for Kevin Warren. No ADs, no coaches, no players, no parents. And then, oh, by the way, on top of that, they also canceled the season uh, for all the reasons that we talked about that make no sense at all, like having students on campus, like having to play 20-plus games in 2021, all the stuff that I've talked about. So I I do feel bad for these programs, and I'm going to continue to fight for them because I think it's total nonsense. And as you'll hear with, uh, with Randy Wade here coming up in a minute, you will see what is at stake for all of these kids who might not get an opportunity to play football this year. Now, in terms of the teams that were left off the AP Top 25 poll, I do want to hit one really quick, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it, uh, because frankly, when we eliminate the nine teams that are not playing from this poll, not only are we going to get everybody deserving into the Top 25, but we're going to get a bunch of teams that are not deserving. And so the only team that I really feel like has a major gripe about not being in the Top 25 poll it's the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, many of you are Kentucky fans, and you guys know, um, you know, I'm not, I don't claim to be any Kentucky football insider. Nick Roush, my buddy, who actually helps me edit this podcast, is the Kentucky football guru. But as I've started my prep for this season and I look at teams that are undervalued, I absolutely think Kentucky football is on 100% unquestionably one of them. You look at a team that they will be returning experience at quarterback, whether it is Terry Wilson getting fully healthy or whether it's Joey Gatewood actually getting eligible in some way, shape, or form if he gets his transfer waiver, which, by the way, as many of you know, 
Kentucky opens at Auburn, so how wild would it be if Joey Gatewood, the former Auburn quarterback, got eligible for Kentucky and opened at Kentucky? But you look at Kentucky, you look at what they bring back on the defensive side of the ball, you look at the, their ability to run the ball, and you look at the fact that they have stability at quarterback in one way or the other, and that to me is a top 25 team. And not only is it a top 25 team to me, but people who are smarter than me with college football, and there aren't many because, let's be honest, did AT do it again or did AT do it again? But, like, I look at my buddy Cole Kublick. He was on this show a few weeks ago. He said that he believes in his power rankings he has Kentucky as the fifth best team in the SEC. He has Kentucky ranked ahead of Auburn, his own alma mater. And so, listen, I'm not going to make a big deal about this because, again, at the end of the day, when we remove these nine teams from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 from this top 25 once the season starts, not only is everybody deserving going to get into the top 25, but there are going to be quite a few undeserving teams who also find a spot in this poll. I just find it weird that we even decided to include the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams and teams that will not play this year. I also think that uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward because there's going to be a lot of teams that are pretty lousy that will be ranked throughout the season by the end of the year. I would not be surprised if teams that are playing, obviously, look, you know, most teams are going to be playing 10, 11 games. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of 5-5, five and 6-5 five, and five type teams finishing in the year in the top 25. But in terms of the teams that were left out, the only one that really stood out was Kentucky. It felt like they deserved a little bit more love. Memphis, the reigning AAC champ, which played in the Cotton Bowl last year against Penn State. Uh, they return a ton of talent but have a new head coach. They were another one that jumped out. But overall, my biggest takeaway with the, with the AP poll is the teams that are in it that aren't playing. And again... I cannot express this enough. I just feel terrible for all these programs, including Ohio State. All right, I do want to switch gears a little bit to basketball. But, you know, as we talk a little basketball, you're going to realize that it will eventually all come full circle. And we will again talk about the incompetence of the Big Ten, which has just basically been like a theme of the last couple weeks on this show. But I do want to talk a little basketball because obviously, look, we, we cover a ton of college basketball on this show. And there was a pretty good report from Matt Norlander, CBS Sports, a guy I respect a lot, really good at what he does. He's a Connecticut kid like me, uh, so we all got to stick together. And he put out a report on Tuesday, on Monday night, excuse me, basically saying that the NCAA has unofficially settled on about four or five plans of action for college basketball season. And the four plans of action, I'll just kind of lay them out for you is the first one would be to start on time. The scheduled start date is November 10th to kind of play on that schedule, to go as planned, all that stuff. That is probably not realistic. There are two other plans to start right around Thanksgiving, maybe one a few days before Thanksgiving, maybe one a few days after Thanksgiving, but ultimately to start around Thanksgiving. And then the last one is to start sometime in early December. Now, we should get an official announcement from the NCAA in the middle of September. They do appear to be waiting to see how football goes. They do appear to be waiting to see how all these campuses handle various outbreaks. And so it'll be interesting to see how the, the NCAA moves forward with this. But it looks as though those are one of the four plans. The biggest one that appears to have been essentially eliminated is the one that I'm telling you that I have been telling you should be eliminated eliminated for a while now, and that is starting on January 1st or around that date because it makes no sense. 
and I'll explain why in a minute, but I want to start with why it does make sense to start around Thanksgiving. And it is something that I've said on this podcast before, so I apologize if I'm being repetitive, but we get new listeners every episode, and it is worth mentioning again. The reason that I have been a proponent of starting around Thanksgiving is because in a world where we cannot create a bubble on a college campus, starting on Thanksgiving is the place that makes the most sense in terms of actually having a pseudo bubble. And what I mean by that is this. Look, in sports right now, there's obviously a ton of conversation about bubble versus no bubble. The NBA bubble has been a huge success. The NHL bubble has been a huge success. Major League Baseball has not been as successful not playing in a bubble. Now, I don't blame Major League Baseball. The the players did not want to be in a bubble, and so because of it, that was not realistic. But the question with college sports has always been, how can, can, first of all, can you create a bubble on campus? And the answer is essentially no, as long as there's students there. Now, what's ending up happening is more and more, these students are going crazier and crazier. And by the way, I don't blame them. I was 18 once. If I was living alone, living on campus, I'd probably be going crazy too. But as they go crazier and crazier, what ends up happening is more and more uh, college kids are getting sent home from these campuses. But assuming that everybody stays on campus, the reason that Thanksgiving time makes sense is because most of these campuses are actually finishing up the first semester right around Thanksgiving. And so in a world where we cannot create a bubble on the college campus, you basically can starting in mid to late November. And so to me, as I just said a minute ago, starting January 1st never made sense. And I think Rick Pitino was really the first one to bring it up. And Rick Pitino, I think it makes a little bit more sense in his conference where there's more driving, where they can't test as much, they can't afford to test as much. But I think when you look at the, the for the totality of college basketball, uh, I think it makes sense for the, it doesn't make sense, excuse me, to start on January 1st for the exact reason that I just said. If you start on thanks right around Thanksgiving, you are essentially going to have most of these campuses completely shut down. Most of them will remain shut down through the end of January. And so if you start in mid-November and most of these campuses are shut down until mid to late January, you're talking about a six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10-week window where there's no one on campus. And that's why it makes sense to start around Thanksgiving Day, and that's why it doesn't make sense to start around January 1st. Because if you start on Thanksgiving Day, you're giving yourself about 10 full weeks to play bubble basketball in college, play as many games as you can, and then figure out the rest of the season from there. And I do think that that is one little quirk of this that I don't think anyone in college basketball has figured out yet, is if we load a bunch of games into November, December, and early January, what do we do when students come back in January, February, into March? I don't think anybody has a plan for that yet. I think the bigger thing is everybody just wants games to get going in November, And obviously, if you wait until January 1st, you're giving up like six weeks worth of time that you would have this massive bubble to really get you going in college basketball. And so I do believe this makes sense. And as we wrap up here on the college hoop stuff, two couple quick thoughts, really three. One, in terms of the bubble, I don't think anyone has figured out exactly what it looks like, but I give college basketball so much credit. Because what college basketball is doing is essentially the exact opposite of what college football did. College football did not have a plan. And it did not have a plan in part because they're not overs- the, the oversight doesn't come from the NCAA. Every conference does their own individual thing. 
But at the end of the day, when you look at what the SEC did, or what, what, the, what college football did, not just the SEC, is they basically, when things got canceled in April, March, whatever, they basically just, their whole plan was, everything's going to be better by July, August, September, and we'll be good to go. And for a while, it looked like it was going to be that way. In their defense, in June, everything was trending in the right direction. In late May, everything was trending in the right direction. The problem was the numbers went up in July, as we've talked about on this show, into August, and there was never really a plan after that to figure out what to do when those numbers went up. And so where I give college basketball credit is whether, regardless of how it gets implemented or what it looks like, college basketball is planning, man. These coaches are taking it upon themselves to get on the phone, to talk to each other, to figure out how to make it work, to figure out how to do bubbles. Will we do a bubble um, you know, with conference-only games? As I said on a previous show, I have heard the Big East is planning on figuring out a way to do a bubble in Omaha where the cases are really low and where there's a hotel attached right to the arena where Creighton plays. I have heard that. We'll see if it comes to fruition. But the point I'm trying to make is that these coaches are doing everything they can to take it upon themselves to figure things out. What does that bubble be conference only? Is there a way to do non-conference games in that bubble? I've heard and talked to people where they're saying, you know, let's get 20 teams in a bubble. It'll be 10 power teams, 10 maybe small, low, mid-major teams. We'll get them in the bubble. Maybe we as power conference teams even help those small schools pay for testing so that we can get some extra games in and we can get some extra wins in early in the season. I'll tell you this. I've heard scenarios where something like the Maui Invitational, you still get those eight teams that were going to be in the Maui Invitational or those eight teams that were going to be at the Battle for Atlantis, and rather than sending them to the Bahamas, you send them somewhere where they bubble up, where they test every day, and where they play the Maui Invitational as if it was the Maui Invitational, just not in Maui. And so those are the things that coaches are starting to do and starting to talk about. But I give these college basketball programs so much credit because they are not following in the footsteps of the Big Ten, of the Pac-12, of all these football conferences that really did not have a plan. Speaking of which, I want to wrap because, (laughs) as I said, pretty much everything at this point always ends up coming back to how incompetent Big Ten football is. And I couldn't help but think, as I read Matt Norlander's report, I do encourage you to go check it out at cbssports.com. As I read Matt Norlander's report, I could not help but think one thing about the college basketball schedule, which immediately brought me back to college football. Can you imagine a scenario where around Thanksgiving, we are getting SEC, ACC, and Big 12 football, And by the way, if we still have football by that point, it's going to be really good football. The Iron Bowl is that weekend. Uh, Tennessee, Florida is late in the season. There are so many good college football games late in the season. Imagine that scenario. Imagine where we do have those three conferences and really six conferences playing college football. Imagine a scenario on top of that where on top of everything else, we now have college hoops playing. And then imagine a scenario where potentially the Big Ten, not just college hoops, but Big Ten basketball is playing in November as Big Ten football is on the sidelines. And listen, I think you guys know me well enough to know I'm not the guy that comes on this show or goes on Twitter or goes on Instagram and demands that everybody be fired. I'm not like everybody be fired guy. But I am just telling you, If we have a scenario where the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are pulling off football around Thanksgiving and then we get a full slate of college basketball, 
I just don't know how Kevin Warren survives as the Big Ten commissioner. Because what will then be exposed is what I've been talking about on this show, what so many of you have already picked up, and that's that this guy has no idea what he's doing. And not only does he have no idea what he's doing, but the logic behind canceling the season never made sense. And as I said on Monday's show, it was a situation where the Big Ten conference presidents basically decided to cancel football and then figured figured they would figure out the reasoning why after they canceled football. And so when I look at this situation... I'm not Mr. We got to fire everybody. But if we get college football and college basketball in Thanksgiving, I don't even know how Kevin Warren can justify keeping his job into January of 2021. How do you keep your job when football is being played and basketball is being played, including your own conference schools, all while football hasn't figured it out? So incredibly, I somehow brought college basketball back to the incompetence of Big Ten football, but that's just the reality. It's just a situation where I don't know how Kevin Warren, I don't know how, frankly, some of those conference presidents could possibly survive if we get college basketball going in November. All right, I think that's all for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And uh, yeah, as I said, coming up, Randy Wade, the father of Ohio State defensive back Sean Wade. It's a really fun interview. He is the guy that is running all of these Big Ten parent protests. And I think when you hear him, I think it's going to be so incredible for you to hear the passion that he has, not only for his own son, but to fight for everyone else's kids as well. I give him so much credit. I love talking to him, and I do think you'll enjoy it as well. And I do think it'll give you some good insight into what he's doing, why he's doing it, why there's so much frustration in Big Ten country. And again, I'm just trying to get good, interesting, smart voices on this show to tell you what I've been trying to tell you, which is that this situation makes no sense. It's not fair to the kids, and they need to figure out a way to get Big Ten football back on the field. And I'm telling you, man, they are not going to fight. They are not going to stop fighting, I should say, until they at the very least get answers as to why this season was canceled. So that is all for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I want to remind you, if you're not already subscribed, please make sure to do so. You can do it on iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Also, now there is no time like the present to catch up on old episodes. For those of you who play fantasy football, I had my buddy John Frisella, a fantasy football guru, on the show yesterday. Uh, and last week I had Archie Miller, the week before I had Mick Cronin, so AT continues to crush it even in the middle of a pandemic where I basically uh, can't leave my house ever by law, but I continue to crush it, so make sure that you're catching up on old episodes, but that is all for today's episode. Shout out to my boy Torrent Craig, shout out to Rachel who hates my voice, and now here is Randy Wade, the father of Sean Wade, who is in charge of the Big Ten Parent Commission, the Parent protests for the Big Ten Conference. That is all for AT. Here is AT and Randy Wade. All right, joining me on the, well, I was going to say by phone, but we're actually on Zoom. Uh, The busiest man in Big Ten football right now, uh, a guy that I have been inspired by. Uh, We talked a few days ago, but he is the gentleman who is leading these Big Ten parent protests. Uh, Incredible resolve, incredible will. Randy Wade, uh, the father of Ohio State defensive back Sean Wade, is joining me. Randy, my man, what is going on? Hey, thanks, Aaron, man. Thanks for having me on, man. Just uh, glad to talk with you. 
Well, the pleasure is absolutely mine. And so, um, you know, let, let, let's just start from the beginning, okay? So for people who aren't diehard college football fans, for people who aren't Ohio State fans, tell us a little bit about your family and Sean, your son specifically, who has been a phenomenal defensive back at Ohio State for three years now, a guy who could have potentially gone to the NFL last year had he chosen he decides to come back. Just give us a little background on you, yourself, your family, uh, and what really, frankly, football means to your entire family. Um, I am 20 years retired, U.S. Navy. Um, married my wife out there in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. She's from Montgomery, so a lot of people thought Sean was going to Alabama because of that. We've <laughs> uh, got three beautiful kids, uh, two, two sons, one daughter. We are a very competitive family, very, very competitive uh, from an early age. All my kids have been playing sports. Uh, all three of them have national championships in Pop Warner, two football, one uh, a trilogy, which is pretty hard. It's not something easy to do. Uh, Sean has four state championships in, uh, in, in high school, and uh, we were trying to get one in college. So um, he's fighting for that. You know, we'll see what happens with that. And then uh, my other son, he just went to Olivet Nazarene University and actually uh, Illinois also. So he's in college also. So we're a very competitive, competitive, uh, tight-knit family. Very good. Um, I, I, you know, I, let's just jump into it. Um, what, what, was your, what was your reaction as all of this was unfolding the last few weeks? I mean, before the season is officially canceled, but, you know, you're a parent, you're 3,000, not 3,000, but you live in Florida for people who do not know your family is based in Florida, as you just said, met your wife in Alabama. Um, and obviously, look, there's a different tone about all this and playing sports in Florida than there is maybe in the Midwest. But as you're watching, and I don't know if you get your news via Twitter, I don't know if you get your news via uh, uh, you know, Sean or whatever. But when you start to hear those rumblings on a Wednesday, we get the football release. I'm guessing that you're fired up. We get the full schedule on a Wednesday. And by Friday, Saturday, there's starting to be real buzz that this thing might get canceled from a distance. I'm sure you're just thinking like the rest of us, there's no way this news could be possibly true. Correct. Uh, no, uh, I actually, as a dad, I'm, I'm, I'm really into communication with a house. really into whatever my kids, get into, I, I uh, communicate with them. So I know a long time ago it was a possibility that the season could be canceled. Uh, it was just the way things went down and uh, how fast they went down over that weekend that kind of made a, a spark in me. And it, it ended with Justin Fields and the petition. And I just had to, had to get fired up and, and try to start something else. So, you, so when we start hearing the news, though, I have to assume even before the season is canceled, are you thinking in your head there's no way this could possibly happen? Or are you, yeah, with your communication with Ohio State, did you feel like, okay, this is a real possibility? Yeah, I knew it was a real possibility because, like, as a high-profile player, it's a lot of things that parents have to do before the season starts, before practice starts. So I was talking to Ohio State probably three, four times a week, different coaches, different legal people, uh, stuff like that, different medical people and stuff like that. So I was always asking questions, and they was always keeping me informed. Same thing with Coach Day. Coach Day was always keeping up the, us informed of the possibility. It's just the way it went down. It's kind of crazy. Well, take us to how it went down then, because I, what, what were they messaging you? What kind of message were they giving you throughout the whole process of Sean reporting back in sometime in June? He's up there. Uh, what was the messaging that they were giving you throughout? Just pretty much saying that it's a, we're doing this, but it's a possibility that we might not play. 
because of, you know, the COVID situation. So they kept reminding us that on all the Zoom calls and how responsible the kids needed to be to uh, just practice. Just to get to practice, we, the kids needed to understand they can't go normal places that normal kids go. They couldn't do normal things that normal uh, young men do, especially in, in the pandemic. So uh, that, that's pretty much the conversation they brought to us. How much, um, I don't know how much you can share, but can you take us through as best you know what the school was doing to protect the players? Because I think that's part of this conversation is, I think it's easy for an outsider to say, you can't play football in this environment, but talking to coaches, talking to people across sports, uh, parents like yourself, uh, it's incredible to me the lengths that these schools have gone through to, uh, to, 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 to protect their kids. You know, on this podcast last week, I had a Big Ten coach uh, who was telling me from the basketball perspective, he, uh, you know, they're in a different phase, obviously, but, you know, they, they check them every day coming in the building. If you even have any type of symptoms, you can't come in. They're changing how they practice. They're changing how many coaches they have on the court. They're changing how the kids live. They're changing how they eat. They're changing how they lift. And when he laid it out, it really set me up in a position of they're doing everything they possibly can to protect their children. What was your experience? What was Sean's experience with Ohio State and what they're doing to protect him and his teammates? Yeah, don't, don't quote me on it, but I, I believe it was like, like taking their clothes and, uh, and, and washing it for them and giving them new, new sets of clothes to wear in and out of the facility every day. They would give them lunches. So they won't have to go to like the, the you know McDonald's. I'm not saying they're gonna go to McDonald's anyway, but go get something to eat. They would give them lunches. They will always space them out as, as far as they can. Only so many people could be in a certain room at, at, in a certain area. They would space the whole. They move equipment all around um, the facility to make sure there was just social distancing and just testing, 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 testing. You know. As a parent. Um, was there ever a concern for you about your son playing? And at what point did you, obviously at some point you felt comfortable because you're fighting for your son and his teammates' ability to play. At, when did you go from this is a scary thing to I think that this can be safely done and I trust Ohio State to protect my son? Probably about a, the second Zoom meeting. You know, we as soon as it happened, they took us home. They talked to us. Uh, about, you know, COVID. They got medical doctors to talk to us. Then probably by that second Zoom meeting when we asked all the questions we can ask, uh, I was pretty content that they was going to make things possible and safe for the kids. Because uh, they just kept us informed on, on everything that was going on and gave us information, new medical information that was going on to help us feel comfortable with our kids coming back. Do you think, so something that I've shared, Randy, is, and again, Randy Wade, this is for people who are, I mean, people are going to download this and know, but you are the father of Sean Wade, you know, future first round NFL draft pick. By the way, I should mention you have your own podcast, Daddy's Ball, which you talk to parents in the college professional scene about, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, being a parent, a lot of these same topics. I encourage people to check it out. You also have a YouTube show called the 10-4 Show on YouTube. Uh, in which you discuss a lot of these topics. So this is not, so, you know, I, I, what I want to make clear is, you know, these are conversations you've been having with parents all along. And, you know, I, I, do you think, let me ask you, so I talked to a lot of parents over the course of the summer, and I think really about early to mid-July, they started telling me, you know what, I trust these schools, my kids are going to be safe, I was hesitant at first. Um, and, and they, I think, 
the media narrative was a little bit unfair, that it wasn't safe. Did you follow the media conversation at all? Because I felt like I was one of the only people from the beginning that was saying, these schools are keeping these kids safe. They're doing what they can. You can't prevent this 100%, but they're doing whatever they can. Did you feel, did you follow the media narrative? And did you feel like it was fair to these schools? Because I'm part of the media, but it felt like to me, the media was only presenting one side of the story. I felt like uh, the media was, was truthful in a lot of uh, circumstances. It's a lot of a lot of schools that can't afford to do what a high they doing. Of course. It, it, only a certain amount. So when you really want to think about the spectrum of schools, the reason why a lot, a lot of these these conferences cancel is because a lot of people cannot afford to do what a high sure. Alabama, Clemson is doing. So for the media to say that, I do agree with that in, in certain, certain circumstances. I do. Makes sense, you know, and I, uh, my alma mater is UConn. That was actually the first school at FBS level to cancel, and it's for that exact season, for that exact reason. I still know people there. It's like they just can't afford to test the way that an Ohio State of Michigan does. All right, so let's get into some of the protest stuff. You mentioned it off the top. You saw Justin Fields' petition. Um, first of all, what was your immediate reaction when the season was canceled, when that news comes down? I imagine, like so many people, gut punch to the stomach, you know how hard your son and frankly his teammates have been working. What was that reaction? Uh, I was calm because at the end of the day, I felt that Ohio State was still working to, to have a season. And I just wanted to be patient and wait. So I was just calm. I mean, to get emotional for me is not good because I can't uh, formulate a plan. You know, I had to formulate a plan for Sean. If they don't have a season, I had to formulate a plan for Sean. If you need to wait for them to have a season, either or. So I had to think about that. You handled it better than I did because I was emotional yelling and screaming. So I give you credit, my man. Um, so what led to the, the protest that you have started? And for people who obviously saw last Friday, you were in Chicago outside the Big Ten offices. I don't know exactly how many parents, maybe 30, 35, whatever, joined you from various schools. And you're going to have another one this Saturday in Columbus. But to backtrack, what led you to want to be a part of this? You posted the, the screenshot of the flight that you booked to Chicago. Um, what made you feel like you needed to make your voice present? Uh, it's mainly because of the petition. The petition, talking to the coaches for the last two weeks and talking to Sean, I just feel like as a parent, I really need to think about what can I do as a parent to kind of move this movement forward and keep fighting. Because, like I said, the way things went down with the information, lack of transparency was just uh, absolutely uh, bizarre. You know, and uh, we just want information to try to move forward safely and eventually play football again as parents. That's, that's all we want. Because a lot of parents got to make a lot of decisions for their kid, whether to play in the spring or whether not play in the spring, if we're even going to have a spring. So, like, that's very, very important to the kids and the parents. Has that been the frustrating part? Because that's been the frustrating part to me is the league cancels the season. They use this vague health safety issues, yet students are on campus in most of these places. The players are still expected to show up at the facility. Um, you know, they might, you know, your son will be gone by 2021, but many kids will be asked to play two seasons in a calendar year. Has that been the frustration, the lack of transparency? Because as best as I can tell, nowhere publicly has there been explicit information as to why specifically the season has been canceled outside of health reasons that we can't really get a, an answer as to what they are. Yeah, and, and that's the reason. And the thing about it, it just wasn't me. It's parents all over the big team. All over the big team. They don't know whether their president voted, didn't vote. Uh, 
we know that we get the, we get the eight, all the ads wanted to have it, but we don't know about that because they're not talking. Everybody's just supporting the Big Ten, so and that's fine. But put that information out there so we can see and come up with a plan in our heads to say, okay, well we're going to play this spring because it's getting better, or we're not going to play this spring because it's not getting better. Just come up with a plan to help us out. You know, you mentioned the decisions that parents have to make, and you and I talked about this a little bit on the phone the other day. First of all, with your son, Sean, I mean, it would be so easy for you to pull him out of school, for he him to pull himself out of school and say, I'm just going to prep for the draft. I'm getting out of here. Why are you pushing forward? Why are you pushing forward? Why is your son pushing forward? Because I, I don't want to say it's a, a, a it's easy to quit. I don't quit's not the right word, but it'd be easy for you to say, screw these guys, screw college football, screw the NCAA, screw the Big Ten. Let's go hire an agent, start training for the draft. Why why are you fighting as hard as you are? Because these kids have dreams. You know, these kids have dreams. But Sean got injured in his freshman season, like, it was a hard time for him. That was probably one of the hardest times of his life. That's the first time he was ever not to play, ever able not to play football for, you know, pretty much the whole season. So you have dreams when it's your turn to uh, be the captain at Ohio State. When they, when you graduate, when he just graduated from college, all these goals he had, you know, yep, all these goals he had are now, you know, just things that he might not be able to accomplish. But, I mean, and that's fine, but – He's in a good place. A lot of these other kids, they have so many uncertainties and things that they need to work out. So uh, we just kind of fight for them at the same time. Well, and talk about that because you are in contact with these parents. And something that I found interesting, I talked about it on Monday's show, we're recording here Monday afternoon, um, is that, you know, Sean's going to be fine. And you told me that. But there are kids now that have to decide, am I going to stick around for the, st- the spring? Am I going to risk injury in the spring? And if I don't play in the spring, how much will it impact my draft stock? You have kids behind them on the depth chart that were expecting a Sean Wade, a whomever, to leave after this season. Now those kids, you know, take us through the parents that aren't as lucky as you and the players who aren't as lucky as your son that don't have that ticket to the NFL, that are fighting for record recognition or fighting to move up the depth chart because I think that's what gets buried here if that makes sense definitely uh, you got a lot of kids that don't get information back from the NFL so you don't know where you fall into place you know usually they do that at the end of the season and they tell you your first round or second round or come back to school but come back to school what does that mean it's a lot of rounds three through seven so you don't know whether you need to show tape or not like, the NFL don't give you that information to say, hey, well, you're not good on the outside. Like, like, like Sean didn't play on the outside. not saying he's not good, but that's just an example. So, like, these kids have to talk to agents, have to get information from somewhere and talk to Ohio State to see what's best for them. Of course, Ohio State uh, likes for most of their kids to come back. So you have to talk to other people to get more information or get balanced information to decide what's best for you. Because even if you don't, you know, if you're if you a – sixth-rounder, fifth-rounder, it's a great start to life, you know what I'm saying, before you get into your business where you get a career or whatever, it's a great start to life. But it's a business decision. It's a business decision, and you can really mess it up by planning the spring. You can mess it up by not planning the spring, all that kind of stuff. And it's just and it's just not even that. It's you got kids on the team that's been playing for – been in Ohio State for four years, and they might not play and get on the field to the fifth year. That's just – it's a lot. It's a lot. Definitely. No, and, and, I, and I agree, and I think that is the part that I think a lot of people – do you find – you know, I find the conversation about this 
whole situation just absurd, which is, of course, and I, I mean it in this perspective that we always, we don't want anybody to get sick. We don't want anybody to get ill. But at some point in life, you know, and, and you being a, a military veteran, and I'm not trying to make light of a very serious situation, but I'm guessing in your military training, in all of our training in life, you have to balance risk reward. Um, is that part of the frustration for you? Is that it's not that any, it's not that anyone is promising that things are going to be 100% safe. It's not that no one's going to get sick, but that sometimes in life you just have to weigh that cost-benefit analysis, and Ohio State's going to protect your kids as best they can. The Big Ten's going to protect – you know, the opposing teams are going to protect your kids. I mean, is that part of the frustration here? It's like, can we just have an adult conversation about, you know, you know risk versus non-risk? You know what I mean? You, have to live, you can't live your life in fear. You have to live your life because you never know when the last day you're going to be on this earth. So you, you have to move forward, but definitely move forward with caution and carefully and just think about the safety measures. I understand it, it's a pandemic again, but uh, you just have to move forward the best way you can. And we just think that the Big Ten Conference is one of the best, if not the best conference in the country. And it's just the way this was handled is, is not a reflection of what we think the Big Ten is, a reflection. Last couple questions. You're going to protest again on Saturday in Columbus. What is your end game? What do you hope to get from the Big Ten? Uh, is there any further belief that you will at any point that any of us, even in the public, will get transparency about what happened? I mean, is that just the end goal to get transparency? What What, what is the end goal and what you're trying to do? I'm moving everything underneath uh, our parents' association. So they have a letter coming out either today or tomorrow. And uh, it, it includes that Zoom call, call that I was talking about at Chicago. Wow. So, so, de so definitely having a Zoom call with the AD and uh, Kevin Warren, uh, just to, so he can listen to our concerns. And also um, just moving forward safely. Like when we play football, we want to we, we want to play football safely, and we want to get his information, the information that he had, and we want to just take a look at it. You know, even if we don't even if we don't talk about what happened this last. Uh, Two weeks. We want to know about what can we do to play football safely in the future. Just be a part of it. Last question I, that I can think of: Do you believe there is any way that Ohio State, the Big Ten, that there can be football in the fall? Do you believe that can still happen at this point? I, I, I'm not them. I don't have all the you know statistics and stuff like that that they have. But why can't we play in November? Why can't we play in mid October? Why can't we see how these first four games or first six games happen in these other conferences and just make a decision from there? I mean, what's what's wrong with it? It's just playing football in the spring for most of us is not an option. So uh, not most of us, but some of us is not an option. So it's a chance, and that's why I'm going to Columbus on Friday for that chance. That's, it's getting smaller and smaller, but you still got to fight. Let me ask you a dumb question. What have Sean and his teammates been doing these last couple weeks when there doesn't appear to be football on the horizon for the next few months? I mean, how have they been spending their time? What have they been doing? Um, and how, how long do you think it would take realistically to ramp up to actually be able to play games? I mean, let's say you guys put the, the foot to the fire of the conference. Uh, how long do you think from here realistically it would take for them to be ready to actually take the field to play a game? I have no clue. I would say a month and a half. I guess I guess a month and a half. They've been uh, playing a lot of video games, watching a lot of Netflix, 
cut schools out and they uh been working out. They have regiments to work out on their own and stuff like that. So pretty much that's that's what they've been doing. How hurt are they as a group? I mean, I have to imagine they're just crushed. I mean, because it is different at Ohio State. I mean, the way we know how the way last season ended, we don't have to relive it. Losing to Clemson, you had control of that game in the Fiesta Bowl. And this is a team good enough to win a national championship. I mean, what is the tenor of those 85 guys in that locker room as they look at Clemson moving forward with their fall camp, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, on and on and on? Um, I think they're down. I think they're definitely going to be down if uh, the other leagues end up playing and having a full season. That's where we definitely got to watch out for their mental health and stuff like that. But those coaches, they got them. Those coaches got them. You know, those coaches love, love those kids, those young men, and uh, they're going to make sure that we make it through it together, you know, and make, and make it through. You just hit on something really important to be kind of the last question, but the mental health aspect of it, because I, I played sports growing up, never at the level that your son did. Um, but I know how important that regimen is and how when you don't have that that structure, that discipline. I mean, I remember guy, I, I have a good friend my senior year in high school. He didn't really like school. He wasn't really about the books, but football kept him focused. And I remember saying he got hurt, unfortunately, during my senior year. And I knew he would struggle to focus in school without the carrot of football kind of in front of him to keep him focused on school. And I believe he graduated high school by the skin of his teeth. I don't believe he's had a very successful adult life. I'm in my mid-30s right now. I don't want to be overly dramatic about it, but this is the structure that these kids have had in some cases since they're seven, eight years old, all fall long. It keeps them in line in school. It keeps them in line uh, off, uh, you know, uh, you know, outside of school in terms of drinking, partying, you know, chasing girls, all that stuff. Um, talk about the mental health, because I do think in some cases that's been something that's been kind of under discussed in this conversation. It's definitely something you got to watch, you know, uh, depression, all that stuff is real. Uh, I would, if I could talk to all the kids, I would say this is time right now to work on those years after football. Because football is only so long for, I don't care if the superstar on the team, if you're a superstar in the NFL, football is only so long. So while you have this time, let's work on those connections that, you know, that in those career fields that you're trying to get in. And let's work on yourself because you got a whole life to live after football. So let's work on that. So that's what I would talk to them about, kind of keep them busy. Very good. Last question. We're going to have a lot of Ohio State fans listen to this. Um, if you, if they want to help, if they want to be part of this movement, if they want to do something to help you, what do you believe that they can do to help you? Two things. Uh, we have a movement called Cancel Big Ten, uh, Cancel Big Ten Network, where I want a lot of, a lot of the fans, all the fans, to Cancel Big Ten Network and get it back when uh, Kevin Warren talks to us or when he replies to something that's going to help us out. So, that's easily said and easily can be done. I'm not saying cancel it forever. I'm saying cancel it for right now to, to show him that you don't appreciate that he's not responding to it. Uh, the second thing is I, I, I really didn't get too many fans in Chicago. And I understand that was on a Friday. And, uh, well, we, we didn't get too many fans. Uh, but I understand it was on a Friday and it was short notice. But we're in Columbus now. We're at home. We're at the shoe. I need people to show up and show out. All right? So we got to show the nation that this is not – what uh, this is this this not talking to us is something that we, we can't deal with. We need him to talk to us, communicate, and so we can work things out and be assured that we can have safe football in the future. 
He is Randy Wade, the uh, the father of Sean Wade, Ohio State defensive back, host of the Daddy's Ball podcast. Make sure to check that one out as well. And on YouTube, the 10-4 YouTube show, again, talking about a lot of the issues that parents deal with uh, raising high professional quality athletes and, you know, the, the challenges that come with it. Did we miss anything, Randy? Is there anything about this movement, about Ohio State, about your son uh, that we haven't discussed yet? Uh, that's all good, man. I just thank you for having me on the show, man. It's a good time. Uh, Randy Wade, I appreciate the time, my man. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.